what does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our lives doing so many things, transporting our kids around, spending too many hours in the office, trying to find time to spend with our spouse. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Did you know that in a week, there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending 80 of those related to our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome to the 10,000 Podcast, and we're all about helping you find God in the 10,000. That's 10,000 minutes. That's right. We want church life to not just stay on a Sunday morning, but to actually impact your entire life and to feel God's presence in the midst of your 10,000 minutes each week. I'm Matt Wolf, and I'm here with Sawyer Trapp, and we are on for another episode where we're going to talk about what it means to work smarter, not harder. That's right. Yeah, it's all about... The skills you develop, the way you think about how you work, and that's kind of where we're going to focus again. Last time was on those horrible bosses. <laughs> we have uh, it's another week on work, but that's so important because that makes up at least forty hours of what we do. That's right, uh, more that's like good. fifty or sixty. <laughs> <Yeah>. Or <laughs> and if you're a stay-at-home mom, every hour, every hour, every, every hour. minute. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, we're going to do that. But we actually had a question, and it actually came up twice this last mm-hmm. week. It was from my message this past Sunday. So I gave the message this last Sunday, and it was on Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and that was specifically about submitting to authorities, and right. we talked about the authority of God. And one of the things that was brought up in the message is that there are some people that are really bad, really awful, really evil, especially those who are in authority. They can do a lot of evil to a lot of right. people. Right. Two people asked me, well, what happens if those people repent and turn to Jesus on their deathbed? Because mm-hmm. I mentioned some terrible people, Pol Pot, Hitler. You know, what would happen if they, on their deathbed, said, Jesus, I'm sorry? Well, what do you think, Sawyer? Well, it is a hard question, right? Because we see this in movies or in uh, media. It just happens over and over again. And when, we asked, when he asked this question earlier, I, I couldn't help but think, of the song "Be My Escape," Reliant K, because it has this okay. has this great phrase in it, which I love. It says, "But the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair." Hmm. Not only is grace a free gift to us that we don't deserve—that's unfair in and of itself—but that each person has access to it, no matter what they've done, no matter if it's at a young age when they're a kid or at the end of their life. Yep, it's not fair. It doesn't make sense to us, and that's part exactly what grace is. Yep. It makes good. life unfair. And it's funny you brought up Reliant K. They were the first concert I went to. There you it go. It was like, I was in sixth grade or something, <laughs> and it was Reliant K opening up for Switchfoot, Ooh, who great. opened up for Supertones, the OC Supertones. Which is ironic now. The Supertones <laughs> probably not touring anymore. Nobody even knows no. who they are now. Switch- Switchwood, of course, is still doing pretty well. Both of those bands did way better than... There you go. But yeah, that was my first band. I loved them. Yeah. Yeah. Love them. So, when we're thinking that question, I think you're right. Grace isn't fair. Yeah. It's not. You look at Jesus as he was dying on the cross. Well, for one, that wasn't fair that he had to die. Right, exactly. But on the cross next to him were two criminals. One of them was still a pretty awful criminal. Mm -hmm. But the other one 
turned in faith to Christ. Yeah. And what did Jesus tell him? That you're going to be with me in paradise. Today, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. I mean, wow. Slate forgiven, right? Mm-hmm. Totally cleaned and forgiven for everything he had ever done because he deserved his punishment on right. Jesus. Exactly. And Jesus would tell another parable about this, his story of the vineyard workers in Matthew chapter 20. Mm-hmm. These workers that are hired and they're all work, hired at different hours during the day. And it, at the end of the day, it didn't matter when they were hired or how many hours they worked. They all got the same wage. Yeah. And then the people that were hired first go back to the people that are hiring them and like, hey, we worked an entire day. Like, shouldn't we get paid more? Right. And he says, you know what? I, I promised you the same thing. This is what you're going to get. Yeah. So there is an aspect to grace that is not fair. Right. And we can complain like those workers say, well, I've been a good, faithful believer my whole life, and I repented of my sins and did good. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we didn't even deserve the grace we got. Right. We shouldn't be forgiven and given eternal life in heaven. We're just as sinful and awful, even if we don't have uh, the terrible atrocities to our name and some of those people. So in one sense, it's not fair. Yeah. But, but, in, yeah. Oh, but in another sense... I think it, it, for people that accept Jesus on their deathbed, they're, they're really missing out. Yeah. They're missing out because salvation isn't just this get out of hell free card. We can have a relationship with God now. We're brought into the kingdom of God, and we can live in that right now. Not only can we do that in our interactions with other people, but we're brought into a Christian family, a community of believers that gives so much value to our lives. And so people that put that off to the very end of their life, they're really missing out. It's true. What they could have now. They're missing out. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Like You're missing out on the best life you possibly Mm -hmm. could have if you wait till your deathbed. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, I think that's that's so true for us to remember. I remember hearing once, when I was younger, hearing Dallas Willard say, eternal life starts now. Mm. And my mind just... (laughs) <laughs> blew up. I was like, what? I always thought eternal life is what happens after you die. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. In fact, that's not what Jesus taught. taught. Eternal life is knowing God now. Right. So we can have the fullness of joy starting now. Absolutely. Don't want to miss out on it. No. But here's probably the more important practical question. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking, hmm, I'm a terrible dude. Maybe I'll just wait a few <laughs> years. Maybe I'll just yeah, do whatever I want and live how I want. And then mm-hmm. when I'm older, then I'll repent. Not only will you have a worse life, Mm -hmm. but you don't know when you're going to die. That's true. And that's why you should come back this Sunday, (laughs) because my message this Sunday is about that concept, because none of us know when we're going to die. Most of us have no clue. It will come before you think you're ready. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we we don't want to miss out. Don't want to miss out. Don't want to miss out. Okay, and that uh, is the question we address. If you do have a question for us that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast, send that email to sawyertrap at strap. that's trap with two Ps, two Ps. at stapletonchurch.com. strap at stapletonchurch.com. We'd love to address whatever question you have for us. So today we've been going through these Proverbs of Ecclesiastes that Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, just a random assortment of Proverbs. But they're in some sections, and today we're going to look at a section in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. So a small section, but it's really united by this theme of working smarter, not harder. That's right. It's about our work, about the jobs we do, whether we're um, a CEO or a plumber or a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Or dad. Or dad. Or dad. dad. Whatever your (laughs) job is, it's kind of like, this is what I do with the most of my time. This Mm -hmm. is what we're talking about today. Yeah. 
So it starts off like this in verse 8. It says, Whoever digs a pit may fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them, and whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. Okay. What's going on there? Well, it seems to be giving super practical advice, right? You don't want to dig yourself into a pit. You don't want to be bitten by a snake. You don't want to have stones fall on you or splitting logs and end up with an axe in your leg or something like that. Right. So this is like a memo from the HR department, right? Yeah. This is OSHA saying, hey, we need some workplace (laughs) competency here. Be careful. Make sure you have the warnings so that people are not falling into pits and stones are falling on and bites are snakes are biting them. Right. You don't want that. Okay. But that's on a very practical level, which is good. It's helpful. Yeah. Very helpful. Is that the level that Solomon is leaving it at? I think there's a little bit more going on. So yes, we want to be safe in what we're doing in our job, in our jobs, in our workplaces. But I think it's using it as a metaphor. Hmm. It's saying not only do we want to be safe physically in what we're doing, but we want to be safe with the pitfalls that may happen. Yeah, literally, he's saying look for pitfalls, but also metaphorically. <laughs> yes, there will be pitfalls with your work that you need to think about ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So it's planning ahead for what may come. Um, and this is part of working smarter, not harder, because if you're thinking ahead, if these are all the bad things that could happen if I do this or if I go this route or if I handle this client this way, if you're thinking through those issues, it's actually going to save you time in the long run and protect you. Yeah. My uh, my extended family has this kind of one of our mantras in our extended family is the five P's. Okay. Let's hear it. So it's prior planning prevents poor performance. That's good. <laughs> prior planning prevents poor performance. Yep. Some people add a a sixth P, but I won't add it on here. It's a bit of a questionable word in there. But anyway, (laughs) prior planning prevents poor performance. So if we're actually taking the necessary steps to think about what we're doing, the planning, then our performance won't be poor. And I I, I think this applies to tons of different areas. Yeah, it's good. I mean, practically at work, you got to think through it. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's next up? I remember when I was replacing my parents' roof, Mm. and we were working, and we didn't think about the rain that was coming that (laughs) afternoon. And in Colorado in the afternoon, there's always rain in the summer. So we were out there. The past three weeks. Yeah, and there was a big hole in the roof because we had to replace some of the plywood as we were taking off the roof and the shingles. And we were just starting to put down some of those shingles, and of course, a storm comes. It starts pouring rain, Mm. and there we are with this hole. Uh oh, well, what do we need to do? Well, we planned ahead, we had a tarp. There you go. Just cover it, right? But if you wait till it's raining on a roof to put a tarp on, it's crazy. And we did it, and I was trying to get it in place, and then I stepped on the tarp. Oh, and no. when you step on a slick tarp with rain pouring down, I slid off, and it was I was within an inch of falling off the edge of this roof. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, I would have been hurt pretty badly. Yeah. Broken some ribs or something, or a leg. I'm really glad you caught yourself. Yeah, I am too, but I was like, that was poor planning. Yeah. That was very, very <laughs> poor planning. So you got to be careful, even physically... To save yourself, but I think it also does apply more metaphorically to our careers, too, in a lot of different ways. Right. So a couple examples that just come to mind is with our finances. If if we're planning, if we're thinking about using our money well, using money in ways that not only honor the people that we're working with and the business, but also honor God, then I think that's super important. Yeah, it's good. I mean, we need to have some money saved up for the mm-hmm. rainy day because the rainy day will come. Yeah. We also need to plan ahead so we're investing our resources mm-hmm. instead of just spending money in the business world on the next thing that comes up. Yeah. How are we investing for the future years from now? Yeah. Or, or maybe you're like me. You're in a, in a field where you're directly interacting with customers. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a, 
a customer that actually ended up writing a, a pretty bad Yelp review about me. And it, and it wasn't because I didn't provide good service. It wasn't because I wasn't trying to help them. It was my attitude. Hmm. I, I had stayed up the night before working on a paper for seminary and was just completely exhausted. Yeah. And I just didn't take the necessary steps to be like, okay, I'm at work now. I'm interacting with customers. I need to put on that happy face and, and really push through. I was just exhausted. Yeah. And so I was a little shorter than I was normally. I, I didn't provide that great customer service. I was a little frustrated because she kept asking a bunch of questions. And then we get an email uh, about a week or two later saying, hey, you've had this review about you on Yelp. Uh, we just want to follow up, make sure everything's okay. Read through it, think through it, and it was about me. <laughs> and she didn't she didn't use my name or anything, but yeah, I, I remembered that situation, and I, I just hadn't properly prepared to interacting with customers. Yeah, and even when you're with the customer, sometimes it seems like, oh, it's just one person. Mm -hmm. If we lose one customer, that's not yeah. that big of a deal. But now people can take that and one bad customer. I mean, that's the worst. It's hard to get word of mouth in a good way, but word of mouth in a bad way can catch like that's right. wildfire. Because yeah. now they're going online to Yelp, Facebook, Instagram. Boom, it blew up. So you didn't lose just one customer, but a whole bunch of customers. That's right. And I'm not saying that happened with your situation, but it could. No. It could. Yeah, so we got to be careful. What are the repercussions for my work now mm -hmm. I need to think about? If I'm just rude to this one person, I could lose a lot of business. Right, exactly. Um, I think this kind of stuff applies to parents, to, to those who are taking care of kids primarily, mm -hmm. too. We often think we get so busy, and I do this, too, with our daughter. We get so busy. Things are crazy. We're trying to take care of a task, trying to get dinner ready, <laughs> and the kid is there kind of pulling at you, wanting something, and then what do we do? Hand him the phone. Because mm -hmm. on the phone, they could watch something, they can play a game. Okay, it's very temporary, and we think, oh, that's not that big of a deal. And it might not be, if if we're careful with it. <laughs> but I do also know some parents of older children mm -hmm. who will come to me and say, Matt, my five-year-old, my six-year-old had the Netflix password, was watching stuff, and now is watching adult content. Mm -hmm. I mean, those little eyes cannot unsee some of those things. Yeah. Are you ready for your kid to watch those things? Just because years earlier you've given them the phone and now they're so proficient with it that they can navigate around and find <laughs> stuff that they shouldn't because there's all sorts of stuff at a fingertip. Right. I mean, and so that, that decision in a moment to just try and give your kid your phone and, and just have a few minutes of silence, you know, over it happens over and over and over again and may lead to a situation that you never imagined would happen. Right. Very true. And it's scary to think, yeah. ooh. So we got to <laughs> think through. What are the repercussions, the potential repercussions of my actions here, especially when it comes to our work? And, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's so important. And, and that idea of work and, and working harder, not smarter, is something that Solomon continues now in verse 10. Working of, smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I was, I was just checking. <laughs> oh, you were just checking. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, making sure you're listening. Working smarter, not harder. Um, in, in verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 10, where Solomon says, If the axe is dull... And its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Skill will bring success. Mm -hmm. uh, th this reminds me when I, I we went camping a lot as a family growing up, and then instilled in me the love of camping. So now living in Colorado is we're spoiled with great places to camp. Um, and I just remember one situation. I was probably like seven or eight years old, and my dad for the first time let me go cut the firewood. And I was like, oh, I am the man now. I have an axe. 
I have power. I can go chop down all these trees, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my dad is a smart guy. He's not giving me a sharp axe. Okay. No. He gave me this really old axe that was super dull. <laughs> like, literally, if I probably touched it to my arm aggressively, it wouldn't cut me. <laughs> and so I'm chopping, chopping through this wood. Dad, it's not working. It's not working. Yeah, so a dull axe is not what we want. Right. It's not what we want. It might be safe for seven or eight-year-olds, which is good. Yeah. But it's not what we want. Yeah, and even for adults, people think, oh, a dull knife, that, that'll be safer. But no, it's actually the opposite. Sharper knives, sharper axes prevent safety instances. Yeah. Because yeah. you're using less force mm-hmm. to get through the wood or to get through the bone or whatever. Yeah, whatever. You're yeah. using skill. Yeah. You're using skill, and skill is so important. So I, I think that's the metaphor that Solomon's going here, too. Mm-hmm. He's like, you've got to develop your skills because skills will bring success. Right. You don't need more strength. You don't need more time because at the end of the day, we're going to run out of energy and strength and power. Um, as we get older, you have less and less energy. You can't just apply blunt force <laughs> to a situation and think, oh, we're just going to knock this problem out. Or more time. Yeah, Time is the most limited thing we have. Mm-hmm. And so if you just throw more time at it, that won't necessarily solve the solution. We have to get smarter at at what we do. So I guess that's the question that we should all ask. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to stop and think for a minute. In your workplace, you're staying home, whatever your career is, what is a skill that you need to sharpen? Mm -hmm. What is the skill that you need to sharpen? Think of something right now. Maybe it's something about customer service. Do I need to get better at that? Do I need to get better at time management? Um, is there a specific skill for your industry? I need to work on this. Maybe it's a leadership skill. And if I can just get better in leadership, then maybe I would do better at leading my team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think for me, and I, I didn't realize this until I started having to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I became a, a manager at World Market, one of the things that you have to do is you have to write reviews and deliver them. Yep. And sometimes those reviews are not all positive, right? And there are situations where you have to give that criticism, that helpful criticism. Mm-hmm. And so I started to get some criticism and feedback in the way that I was giving criticism and feedback. <laughs> okay, yeah. And they said, "Well, Sawyer, it's it's obvious that you care. It's obvious that you, you are personable and like people. But when you give criticism, you do it so bluntly, so straightforward in a way, not nuanced, not in a way that actually." you know, helps people kind of think of it on their own. You just very much, yep, this is the way it is. You need to do this. Great. Perfect. Thanks. Have a good day. Yeah. And so a skill that I, I am actively working on and, and one that I will continue to need to work on it is how to give criticism and those confrontations with people in a way that's hopeful, mm-hmm. in a way that speaks to people, in a way that will actually promote change. Yep. Not in a way that just is blunt, straightforward, and because that's how I like to receive criticism. Mm. And so we always act out of the ways that we like, that right. we are drawn to. Yep. But actually thinking through, no, what is the most helpful way for this person to see the way that they need to grow, to change, to develop? Because that's actually going to be way more valuable. You can speak to a person in a way, especially in criticism, yeah. that is going to speak to them the way that they need to be spoken to. That's that's really true. That's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, <laughs> we had someone come in and talk to our staff. Do you remember that, Sawyer? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, John Byrne, he's a pastor over in Lakewood. Mm-hmm. He came and talked with us because one of our issues in the church world or in the nonprofit world or yeah. those of you who work with volunteers, 
the person's not paid. Mm -hmm. So if you give them a harsh criticism, they may quit as a volunteer. They may even leave your church because you just said something wrong. It may have been the truth, but you said it in the wrong way. So he came in and coached us on how to be better at criticizing people, basically. Yeah, it was super helpful. Actually working through practical steps of meeting with them, getting their buy-in, and then partnering together to actually join with one another and, and resolve the situation. And basically... I saw this, hey, this is a skill we really need to all get better at. So mm-hmm. let's get better at it. Let's yeah. sharpen ourselves. And I think that's the question we need to ask. What is that skill? And then the second question for those of you who are listening right now is, how could I do that? Mm-hmm. If you isolate and say, okay, I've decided, yes, I need to get better at giving criticism. Well, how are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you need to get a book. And in fact, <laughs> I have a book on my reading list. I was telling you on this that's you know on confrontation. And I haven't read it yet, but I'm like, okay. I can get this book on confrontation, and that will help me get better at con- confronting people, if, yeah. if that's what I want to do. Or maybe I need to find someone who's really good at it. Mm-hmm. And I just need to say, hey, can I take you out to coffee? Can I pick your brain? One cool thing is that no matter who they are, if you call them up, you can get 20 minutes of pretty much anyone's time. <laughs> say, I need to pick your brain. I know you're the expert at. Let me ask you a few questions. Take some notes mm-hmm. and get better at it. Uh, you know, that's, that's another way to get better. Maybe you need to take a course or a class. And sign up for it. Hey, I need to get better at this skill. Mm-hmm. But we always got to do it. You know, even if you're the stay-at-home mom. <laughs> I know my wife, Melissa, um, has been working on cooking over the last year. And she's already a good cook. I love her. In fact, one of the reasons why I fell in love with her is <laughs> on one of our first dates, we came back to her apartment. Mm-hmm. This is like our second date. We came back to her apartment, and she had soup waiting for us that she had made like in the cross wow. and i didn't even care if it was good soup or not but i was like i'm sold this is the woman <laughs> for me she makes food like I mean, that's right you know, in college well, they say they say it's the secret to a man's heart it right? really is stomach so she was already a good cook but she's over the last year decided that's a skill she wants to work on yeah. so she's read and tried to find new recipes she's watched shows on how to cook mm-hmm. better and just the other night she made pasta puttanesca Okay. Nice. I'd never had it. Neither yeah. one of us had it, and it was so good. And I don't know if you know this, but the word puttanesca means prostitute. No, no. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> no. Spaghetti prostitute? Yes, because okay. uh, prostitutes need to be able to make things very quick in between uh, customers. Okay. So it's a pasta you can make really quick. <laughs> so it was really good, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I would have never even thought to try pasta puttanesca. Yeah. But this is so good. So I, you know, I told her how good she's gotten even over the last year because she's like, this is a skill I just want to get better at. There you go. I love it. So we can all do that. What is the skill that I need to sharpen? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that's exactly where it kind of goes in verse 11. So if we're sharpening our skills, what is the point of that? I think that's where verse 11 goes. And in kind of a funny way, it says, if a snake bites before, excuse me, if a snake bites before it is charmed, then the charmer receives no fee. <laughs> We've all seen this, right? This snake charmer in a video or in a movie. They're playing the pipe, and then they, the snake comes up. But if that snake bites that charmer, he's not getting paid. Right? He has not. He hasn't done what he's set out to do. And he's poisoned. Yeah. Yeah. There's bigger issues. Yeah. But he's, no, he's not getting paid because he hasn't set out, hasn't accomplished what he set out to do, mm-hmm. hasn't fulfilled what he's promised. Yeah, that that's totally true. I mean, this is kind of a funny thing. I yeah. think that's Solomon He's right. kind of making a joke right. here. Like, but with any job, you get paid to finish the job, mm-hmm. not for the hours you worked. True. Think about it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us have the luxury of getting paid hourly, but 
for most of our jobs, it's like you got to get the job done. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you had a great idea <laughs> unless you brought it to fruition. I don't care what invention you created in your mind unless you've actually made it. I mean, think about it. How many jobs just don't get finished? It doesn't matter how many clients you're wooing and taking out to dinner if you don't <laughs> close the deal. The ABCs of sales, right? Always be closing. (laughs) That's what it's about. You got to close the deal if you want to make the money. Mm -hmm. That's how you make the money. Close, close, close. You got to finish it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about this a little bit on my message Sunday, but think about how many people don't follow through on the ideas they have. Mm. I heard in an interview this week that, you know, the most amazing assortment of accomplishments in the world and the most incredible things are in graveyards because people have brilliant ideas Mm. that they don't bring about. They have ways to fix the world that would transform the way our humanity would happen, but they never did. Yeah. Books that were not written, songs that were not sung Mm -hmm. because people just don't close. That's right. They don't follow through. And that's what counts, especially in the workplace. Yeah. What do you produce? What are you producing? I think that's so important. So we need to think about that. It's not just putting in the hours. It's getting something done. Sometimes that's better than doing something with excellence. It's just getting <laughs> it done. Isn't that, isn't that the truth? Sometimes. We yeah, always I mean, want excellence, but sometimes the best is just done. Yeah. Get it done. <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some practical skill that Solomon was trying to teach us in this little section of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. It's written 25 Three thousand years ago, somewhere <laughs> around there, still applicable today. I think. Yeah, even more so. I, I think with our technology, with our instant communication, we feel like we have all this time, right? Yeah. But in reality, those are just tools that we have to use. Yeah. And if we're not putting in the work, then we're not gonna we're gonna fall short. Yep. So this is biblical wisdom. There you work go. smarter, <laughs> not harder. Somebody needs to hear this today, right now. Somebody's on their way to work, way to meeting with a client, and you need to say, how can I work smarter today, not harder? Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope this was helpful. I hope that we have helped bring God into your 10,000 this week, and we'll see you again next week. Make sure that you subscribe, like us, send in your questions to strap at stapletonchurch.com. I'd love to hear them. And we'll, we'll talk with you next week. Bye.